Good evening, church. Another fine Wednesday evening. I hope you've had a good day. Uh, I wanted to look tonight at two or three passages of Scripture, and uh, the subject would be making a name for yourself. And the first place I wanted to turn to was Genesis chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. It says in Genesis chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found the plain of the land of Shinar. You'd realize in the Bible, Shinar is usually referred to as an evil place. And they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. Mortar, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. They have all one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing would they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language. that They may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad uh, from there over the face of the whole earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore the name was called Babel, because there, there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, give us guidance as we study your word tonight. Uh, speak to us as only you can. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, we just give you uh, the freedom to move in our hearts and minds, to teach us, uh, to convict us, to challenge us, to comfort us. Meet us at our greatest point of need, O Lord. And Father, in the midst of all that we do and say, you be glorified. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for guiding our church and providing for our church. And Father, we just ask you to continue to do that and you'll keep our church members safe and our families safe wherever they're at. We praise you for how great you are. And we ask you to bring an end to this pandemic because only you can. In Christ's name, amen. Several things I wanted to look at about making a name for yourself. You you realize that that has probably been an urge uh, for mankind from the very beginning to somehow be known, to have a, a name that's left in history, to make our mark. Uh, it usually means the pinnacle of success or stardom, whether it's on an athletic field or in movies and, and uh, theater and song and those kind of things. But, you know, we, we, we know ones that have become so successful that we just know them by one name. Uh, some of the older ones by one name would be uh, Madonna. Uh, not one I'd want to emulate, but we know her by name. You remember Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, we have uh, Oprah. We have uh, Obama. We have Trump currently. Just one name and everybody knows who we're talking about. And most of them have achieved a certain status that they made that name for themselves. Well, in the Bible... We need to understand that renown and glory and honor are not for us. It's to be for our God. See, we as Christians are to exalt the name of our God. He said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. I will be known among the nations. 
And we're not to make a name for ourselves, we're making a name for Jesus. And we have to be consistent at that, and we have to be persistent at that, and we and we need to uh, be positive in that name, especially in our current culture, so that people see uh, Jesus as who he really is, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And so from this first scripture that we're looking at on the Bible, I see a problem here. And the problem comes about in verse 4. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city. Nothing wrong with that. But then, and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Notice, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Their problem can be summed up in one word, rebellion. Maybe another word, disobedience. God had instructed all those who were descendants of Noah to scatter, to fill the whole earth, all right, and multiply and fill it. They came from the east, and they settled in the west on the plain of Shinar, all speaking one language. And the representation there spiritually is they came from the east, where the sun rose, where there's light, and headed towards the west, where there's darkness, away from the light. You know, so they, they, they come from... Noah and knowing God and they're going away from God spiritually. And we, we see those kinds of things and they, they, they're united. They're united in their purpose. We have one language. Let's not be scattered. They're united in your disobedience. Uh, we got to make a name for ourselves, not for God. We got to make a name for ourselves as we be scattered and nobody knows us. And ultimately, they're, they're united in their worship. This is really a picture, I think, a, a type of what we find in Revelation because we don't get that the, the tower reached up into heaven and, and Babel in some ancient languages meant uh, the tower of God or the stairway of God. So here it is. This is their worship time. They're going to worship this tower. It goes all the way to heaven. Oh, how exalted we are. But for God, Babel meant confusion. They'd made all these plans, but they'd left out the one who's the ultimate planner. They made all these plans, but they forgot to include God. They made all these plans in rebellion, and yet God says, I'll show you who's really God. And he comes down and he confuses their language there. We need to ask ourselves, if we're going to make a name for ourselves, why? The name should be so that Jesus would be exalted. So that uh, he would be preeminent. Uh, Ted Williams, the famous Boston Red Sox baseball player, uh, interviewed one time. And he says his greatest desire was to be able to walk down the street and have people look at him and say, there goes the greatest hitter, the greatest slugger in all the history of baseball. Now, there's nothing wrong with goals and ambitions and dreams if they're based on what God's purpose for our life is. If they're based on bringing him glory through how we live. If not, there's something very wrong. It's rebellion, it's disobedience. Because again, remember what I said, as Christians, we're to exalt 
the name of God in our lives. We need to exalt the name of God in our lives. And you, you see, do we, do we live for self or do we live for God's glory? Are we self-centered or God-centered? I really want to relate this to, to also how we pray, okay, and, and how we live. If our lives are to count for something, let me say it again, if our lives are to count for something, most of us want our lives to count for something, if our lives are to count for something, they have to be lived for something other than ourselves. Did you catch that? If our lives are to count for something, they have to be lived for something other than ourselves. Again, are we self-centered or God-centered? That's the challenge that Henry Blackaby listed for us in his book. And we need to remember some of the things Jesus himself said. He said that those that tried to save their life would lose it, but those that lost their lives for his name's sake would save it. That's Matthew 16, 25. He also turned the world upside down when he said, the last will be first and the first will be last. Matthew 19, 30. See, Christians, we're to glorify God's name in our lives. And, and we don't just make a name for ourselves, we, we, we make it for God. And how does that apply to our, our prayer life? What do you think about it? Some of the prayers we pray are unanswerable because they bring glory to ourselves and never to God. Some of the prayers we pray are unanswerable because they would magnify what we do rather than what God has done in our lives. We're not to make a name for ourselves. We're not to bring glory for ourselves. We bring glory to the one whom glory is due. Jesus, our Savior, our, our Redeemer, our Lord, our Sustainer, our Creator. He's the one that deserves glory. And that's where our lives are supposed to be placed is bringing glory to him. So that that's what I really entitled the problem. If, if you're trying to make a name for yourself, my question would be, why? What are you going to do with that name? And uh, too often in our prayer life, we'll get an answer from God and say, well, I can't do that. What will people think? So we're more worried about what people think about us and our reputation than what God thinks about us and our reputation. It's disobedience. The second thing I want to look at came from 2 Samuel, beginning in chapter 7, 2 Samuel 7, beginning in verse 18, and it's called the purpose. Then King David went in and sat there before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now, what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant for your word's sake. And according to your own heart, you've done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you. For there is no other God besides you according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people to make 
for himself a name, and to do yourself great and awesome deeds for your land, before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel, your very own people, forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. God makes a name for himself as he deals with mankind and specifically in relation to us. He makes a name for himself. David comes in. He's received a word from, from God that God has promised that he'll always have someone to sit on his kingdom throne. This kingdom will be a forever type kingdom. It overwhelms him. That, that prophecy was not fulfilled until Jesus came on the scene. And it's fulfilled now because he's an everlasting king of kings and lord of lords. But David, as he thought about this promise from God, was awestruck by God's greatness, by God's goodness, by God's mercy. And he said, there's no other God that's your equal. There's no other God that even comes close. Do we understand that? That a lot of times God works in our lives and he works to bring about his kingdom work, and it's good for us, and it's a blessing to us, but it's so we'll praise him. It's so that he can bring honor to his name. Many tell me, you know, I came from a very rough background, and look what God has just changed my heart. Or I came from a very poor background, God has blessed me above measure, and we need to tell folks like that. You see, our lives need to line up with God's purpose. Our purposes. We need to make our lives count for something by investing them in his kingdom. And we don't do that by going on great mission trips or doing great deeds. We do that every day in the community where he has placed us living out Jesus Christ before those around us. Ministering in Jesus' name. Loving in Jesus' name. Teaching the word in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name. Also, that folks know we belong to Jesus. And God's purpose is for the world to know Him through His people. We need to ask are, are we worried about our own desires or about what God wants to accomplish in His kingdom through us? Are, are our prayer lives lined up with His purposes? Are, are, are we seeking His face like that? And we need to ask for the promises of God. Have we sat down and counted them? Have we claimed them? Have we praised God for them? Have we thanked him for his mercy and loving kindness, his covenant love from one generation to another? Are we praying for the next generations until Jesus comes back that Christ will be magnified in our area? We need to be. One last Set of scripture. It's in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, we know that very well. Paul is speaking. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 5, those famous words, the great Christology, Christological passage. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, did I consider Robert to be equal with God, because he is but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant. That word is the lowest slave in a Greek household. And coming in the likeness of men, 
being found in the appearance as a man. And the word appearance doesn't mean he was just some kind of spirit as some of the false teachers were teaching in Paul's day. The word appearance means the exact image, the exact likeness. The same. Being the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because of that, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let it be so. But I see here the power. See, our God is absolutely above all. No one else, nothing else even comes close. We look and by his power, he confused their language and scattered their pride. By his power, he took David from the sheepfold to be king and to conquer his enemies. By his power, Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross and rose from the dead and provided our salvation. That's our God. He makes a name and deal with himself, not just deal with mankind in general, but with us in relationship specifically. You realize there are over 300 names for God in the Bible. 300 different names for God in the Bible. Now, I often wonder, why so many? Everybody say, oh, it was, it was Yahweh and it's Jesus. Yes, but there are three different, different names to describe God because one name does not do him justice. One name cannot explain all of his character, all of his beauty, all of his power, all of his majesty, all of his glory. Hallelujah. And so each name usually was made through some kind of fulfilled promise that God made mankind. Not all of them, but usually. Through his actions for our good and our behalf, through his name, his tender mercies, we learn who he is. We learn about his redeeming love, his abiding presence, all the things that make him praiseworthy. I wanted to share just a few instances of some of these names. The first one I wrote down was Adonai Jehovah. It means the Lord, our sovereign ruler, owner. Adonai Jehovah, the Lord, our sovereign ruler. We find that in Genesis 15, 2, in Psalm 35, 23, in Psalm 38, 15, and a few other places. Then there's the one we know from the song, El Shaddai. It means the God who's sufficient for the needs of his people. El Shaddai, the God who's sufficient for the needs of his people. Genesis 17, 1. We often translate El Shaddai as the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's either 6.18 or 8.18, Revelation 1.8, Revelation 16.14, Revelation 19.16. The Lord Almighty, the one who's sufficient for the needs of his people. We have Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, or the Lord who provides for us. Genesis 22.14. And really, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, because when it says the Lord our provider, or the Lord who provides for us, it means God's provision found in his presence with us. That's his greatest gift, is himself. 
Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rothke, the Lord, our healer. Psalm 103, 3. Psalm 147, 3. Uh, Romans 5, 3 and 4. The Lord, our healer, Jehovah Rothke, Jeremiah 3, 22. I could keep going on and on, okay? I think it's Genesis 20, 17. The Lord, our healer, Jehovah Rothke. Then Jehovah Shema. The Lord is present. And by that, it's often translated the Lord, our peace. Because where God is, he reigns. Where God is, and he's exalted, there's peace in our hearts, in our minds. The Lord present. Genesis 15, 15. Romans 15, I think it's verse 33. Judges 19, 20. Judges 6, 24. Uh, it goes on and on. Then we have Jehovah Elkanah, the Lord our God. When it says Jehovah Elkanah, the Lord our God, it means the Lord our God is found uh, in truth. Ephesians 2.14. In redemption, Exodus 20. In relationship uh, and responsibility, uh, those kind of things. The, the Lord who rewards us. Okay? And it's Jehovah Elkanah. Now, Remember what he said. God never fails. His name is that above every name. That's what Philippians said. He's given him a name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of the Father. He is the name that is above every name. And we need to magnify his name and praise his name. You see, we have to rely on God's power, his name, that he promised to give us in the presence of the Holy Spirit to live as we're supposed to live. We need to trust his power, the power of his word to guide us in our daily lives and to apply it to the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. And we need to make sure that when we're making our request, because he said to make our request known. And it's not selfish to make the request known. If we're praying according to his will, if we're praying in a way that he can do it and bring glory to his holy name, that the name of Jesus will be exalted in our lives. We need to ask, is our prayer life like that? Does our prayer life include praising the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. In humbleness, do we bow before him? Do we major on his glory? This is something that sometimes as adults we fail to do. As a kid, my favorite thing to do was to go out, get up on top of the garage roof, don't do that kids, and, and watch the sunset and, and wait for the stars to come out. The first one you usually see would be the evening star, the brightest one. And you'd think there's not many stars out, and as it got darker, we lived in the country, it got darker. It was like she was laying down, you'd look up, and it was just like a blanket of stars, and more and more would appear. And the breathtaking part, the beauty of that is, God named each one, God hung each one with the power of his word, he created each one and hung them in space. That's our God. 
And that doesn't even begin his true majesty. That doesn't even begin to explain everything that he is. He loved us enough to send his only will of son to die the cruel death on the cross in my place and your place. What a God of love and mercy. I did not deserve that. No one does. But he still chose to provide for my salvation and your salvation. So if you want to make a name for yourself, make a name that says, I belong to Jesus. Thank you, church. Have a good evening.